bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hi, guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> Catherine is eating. I am yeah. envious. I am envious of your snacks right now. I am forever hungry. Mm-hmm. Was that a piece of cantaloupe? I do. I have like a like a, a cantaloupe, blueberries, and then okay. I don't know what they're called, but tan, tangelina, tangelina, something like that. I didn't know. Yes. That oranges and tan, tangerines had a baby. Oh that yeah. Was a, I've so never had it. Oh, my God. So I bought it the other day because my mother's actually allergic. It's weird. She's allergic to oranges. She's not allergic to mandarins and tangerines. They're made different, so I get that. I still kind of feel like it's weird because it's in the citrus family. You know what I mean? It's like I'm allergic to shrimp, but I'm also allergic to crab and anything yeah. shell. So it's like, wait, so is a citrus allergy better? You only got to be allergic to one where I get the whole hoopla? Like, that's messed up. That's for <laughs> all right. Catherine disagrees with allergies. That's that conversation. Um, but I bought it because she said tangerines, right? And then when I look at it, I was like, she she looks at it and she tells me that there's like a little butt on it, kind of in an orangey way. And I go, it's tangerines. She was like, no, it's not. And I was like, Ma, the bag says tangerines. It did not say tangerines. It said like tangelina or something like that. So I Google it and that's when I learned that there's a hybrid. And I was like, oh, so I ate it and it smells like an orange. It has the bitterness of a tangerine. It's weird. It's weird. It sounds weird. I'm not, I'm not a huge orange fan. I love orange juice, but oranges themselves, I hate cantaloupe. So gross. Um, Cantaloupe is nasty. Here's the thing. I think that because the public school system and then my daycare, they used to like give us a lot of like cantaloupe and stuff like that in the summer, right? Like I think it was when they couldn't afford, in my daycare at least, when they couldn't afford the watermelon, they just bought the cantaloupe in like discount bulk. And let me tell you something. I get your issue with cantaloupe, but some cantaloupes are juicy. Like some of them are dry and some of them are juicy. So that was the one thing that were always really juicy. And it would be like, you know, you're six years old. It's a hot summer day. You've been playing around the park all day long. And then that open up that little, the cooler, because they would have the cooler. And it would be in there, but already cut up. And they would put it as a side to something else you were eating, like a sandwich. It was the flavors. It was all about the flavor. But you know what? It didn't matter how good it was to me or not. Because then Coco Chedi Piña, man, was coming down the block. And that's what you really wanted. Oh, hell yeah. That icy man. As soon as you heard that, you'd be like, that counts as fruit, right? He got it's fruit. Coco, cherry, piña. Piñas are definitely a fruit. Piña? Yeah. Cherry? Cherry's a, that's cherry? a fruit? Cherry? Like, the only thing that wasn't a fruit was his dirty hands, but who cares? Whatever, whatever. He was using them to scoop. It's all right. It's all good. Scoop he that was, icy. Oh, when I look back, there was one dude, you know, when he was hustling, it used to always fall, you know, when they were like scoop and then it would fall like right on his finger. And 
for some reason, and it, these people look like they definitely did not wash their hands. Uh-oh. And they definitely look like they went to the field and picked the Coco Cherry beans themselves. Their hands were that like dark of like, like dirt. But that didn't bother me. I stopped eating from the Coco Cherry Pina Man when I saw one in the same park go behind a tree, take a piss, and then came back and was like, Coco Cherry Pina. And I was like, no, 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 Cherry Pina. Lávate las manos. That's when I went full piragua, frío, frío, and ice cream truck. And if you don't know what these things are, Coco Cherry Pina, man, if you're from LA, it's like a paletero because they yeah. have the same part. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's literally buckets where they would scrape like ice cream. Almost but like Italian ice or like. Icy. Yeah. Italian icy on the go. Mm-hmm. And the frio frio is the shaved ice, the, the mm. piragua. That's the shaved ice. And then they'd be like, which flavors you want? And you know, it's, you felt fancy if you were like, um, I want a tamarindo. And mango. I want both. I want both. Give me both. Give me both. Give me both. I want both. <laughs> I'm balling. Give me both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, now you're making my mouth water. So I want, I want some snacks. It's snacks. It's 60 degrees in New York City. It's summer. It's, it's that's summer out here in LA. They would be wearing thick ass coats. This is when they break. Like you know what bothers me? Okay, no shade to my LA folks, but when y'all shade bother- is about to come. Yeah, this is about to come. But you know what? Y'all deserve it for this one. Y'all be buying like winter coats. And don't get me wrong. I spent some time in LA. The mornings can be frigid and, and chilly. The mm-hmm. evenings as well. And the chili is a bone chili because it's that like dry chili that we don't have here. We have humidity here. Y'all don't know what that is. So I get it. It's cold. Mm-hmm. But it's not North Face cold. And I've seen... Like, and it's the ones who want to be stylish, like the ones who are like, I'm in style and this is our winter. Baby, your winters are fall. You never yeah. get to a Tim's and North Face section. You don't. Why do you own a Canada Goose? Why? 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 I have never, I have never seen anyone in LA wear Tim's. I have never. I have. But here- <gasps> Escándalo. But here was the thing. I, I was really disappointed because it was actually a, a corny New Yorker. Mm. <gasps> a corny New Yorker. Mm. That's why. I, I may know who you're talking about. You know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 We're just going to do this to the listeners this whole episode. We're just going to make private jokes and talk about people that they have no idea we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they have no idea. <gasps> listening you have no idea but you know you know who you are if you know you know i have this thing Uh that's been bugging me lately first of all i'm so sorry i keep yawning i keep yawning i am od tired right now i am so exhausted i have not i have like had an anxiety uprising (laughs) (laughs) and it's been rather annoying and bothersome where I'm back in that place where I'm trying to go to bed at night and I have like a million thoughts that just keep coming through my head, rapid fire thoughts that are keeping me up. Like last night I went to bed at like midnight, right? I was a little bit anxious, but uh, you know, I was like, all right, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try to nap. I'm tired too. So I'm going to try to sleep. 
I woke up at three in the morning because the baby was up and Jeremy had been with him all night. So I tapped in and I was like, all right, my, my turn. This is my time. And I could not get back to sleep. So I was just up from three in the morning. I took little cat naps here and there. Um, but I really slept and I'm so tired. Yo, this motherhood thing is no joke. <laughs> this I'm motherhood sorry, thing is no joke. It's just that was I knew that's where it was leading. Yes, this motherhood thing is no joke. And I get advice all the time. And some of it is like really solid advice that has helped me and that has worked. But I think I have I have an issue taking advice from people that don't have kids. Like when they're like, well, I think you should blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, but you don't have a kid. So when have you tested this theory out? I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. I think a lot of parents feel that way, right? Like, I think I've heard that before. Yeah. So, and I can imagine why. I, I feel like you and I had this conversation before, prior to having a kid, like prior to you having a kid and you were the the latter of like the I don't have a kid so I don't opinion me so you still yeah. you're saying in the same thing, right like now you're yeah. on the other side yeah and it's just like it might be helpful advice and don't get me wrong if I feel like something is a good piece of advice I will listen to it but I just feel like you don't have the same wealth of knowledge even if you have a bunch of nieces and nephews yeah they're not your kids yeah like I you're mean, like, you're not with them 24 7 you're not you know what I mean? You're not, you know, getting them into solid foods. You're not dealing with building a sleep schedule. You're not potty training. You're not doing all that. Like you're high and by, you know what I mean? Unless you're a live in aunt, like you're an aunt, but you're basically their mother. It's different. Or, or you live yeah. with them and you have an understanding of certain aspects of the parenthood thing. That's different. Yeah. I totally, I, I mean, with anything, right? Like if we want to compare it, cause a lot of people, you know, we don't, I, myself included, don't have kids and not sure if I will ever have kids. So some people could take that statement and be like, oh, but what about the people that can't have kids? So here's my, here's where I agree with you as somebody on the other side. Um, it's the same with anything. It, you can't give an opinion if you've never had a period. Yep. You can't give an opinion if you've never had a vagina or a penis. Well, the same thing. When it's something you've never had, you can em you can try to empathize. You can go, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. But an opinion that's again warranted is different. Because if you go, what do you think about this? And they know you ain't got a kid and they asked you, well, I ain't got a kid, but here's my opinion. Yep. Nah. Never yeah. a good idea. No, you're absolutely right. If you don't know, I hate when people comment on even if it's not about parenthood, even if it's not about kids, if you don't, if you've never experienced something, it's like when people are fans of comedy and they think they know everything about the business of comedy yeah. and they start commenting on it. And it's just like, I really need you to shut up right now because you don't know anything. Like my ex had told me one time, this was back when Letterman was still on the air. He was like, you should just call David Letterman and tell him you want to be on the show. Oh, okay. I'll oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll, I'm gonna call him right now, and I'm gonna see what he says. You know, because he don't know me, but I'm sure he takes phone calls from comics all the time. Good old Letterman, you know. Good old Dave. Like, are you? Yeah, it's so. It's just people. Honestly, it's people who like to hear themselves speak and feel like an authority on things, and you gotta be okay with. I don't know anything about this. 
Yep. That's okay. It's okay not to know. I think for a really long time, I was one of those people too that had an issue with saying, I don't know. I just had this thing where it was like my automatic response was, yeah, 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 cool. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You have no idea what they're talking about. What are you talking about? Why, why do you say you know when you don't know? Yeah. yeah. You make a bigger ass out of yourself by acting like you know something and then you look like an idiot. Especially when, <laughs> this is the worst, when people go, Oh, really? Like, what's your experience? And then oh, you either, yep. You either gotta lie or admit. You either gotta be like, well, my experience was, and then a whole lie comes out of your mouth, or you go, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Or be like, well, or, or tell a half lie where it's like, well, my experience really isn't that extensive. <laughs> what was your experience like? <laughs> yeah, like, I think people just, here's my question, because mm-hmm. Do you find yourself having it done to you more from men who don't have children or women who don't have children or both? Women. 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 It's not the men. The men, the, at least the men in my life, um, very rarely feel like they can tell me what I should or should not be doing as a parent mm. because I feel like they're smart enough to be like, well, you know, she had the baby and I don't know anything about having babies. I don't have any kids. I have no opinion on this whatsoever, which may have been a mentality that they learned from things like um, not commenting on what a woman should do with her body. Yeah. You know, it may be a learned thing where it's like, no, I know better. I'm going to stay in my lane because that ain't none of my business. Yeah. Yeah. Men are a little bit, not all, but predisposed to um, I'm on my business because I really don't need it. Like not, not all again. And just like not all women are. Exactly. People who impose, but yeah, I could see that. I do um, find it interesting mm-hmm. how um, it's different when you're dealing with, like, if you're in a relationship with someone with kids, right? Because that's different. Now, you're in a relationship, especially they live with their kids, or you spend a significant amount of time with the kids. That's a rock and a hard place because yeah. you, you're in a situation where. I, I feel this way and I'm going to feel this way to probably to the day I die or till I have a child. Um, I, the kids are not the problem. It's the parents point blank. The parents are always the problem for exactly what you just said, because that I know what I'm doing. This is true until you get with somebody who doesn't have children and you're spending a life with them. And then you want to dictate as if they're not also spending their life with y'all. Mm-hmm. Right? Like at some point there needs to be trust at some point there needs to be they will never be their parent mm-hmm. and so therefore why are you with them if you don't think they can put input on your child right like there's those things so I agree with you on some general sense like homie yeah. you friend like why aren't we talking about the Meghan Markle thing why are we talking oh, Lord about- Jesus yeah. so- we'll talk about that in a second yeah. but if we but in that sense it's different right because it's a relationship you know um and I get that too I get the it's my child and a lot of parents feel like at the end of the day the person who you know holds the burden of whatever happened with this child is me but that's also the risk you take if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have children or isn't dependent on those children so you it's a frustration that makes total sense I don't think people, I think pe- people who mean well, 
don't realize that it's an imposition. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they do. They're not doing it maliciously. It's just like, it's like, okay, thank you for your opinion on this. <laughs> I'm going to store that in the who gives a shit file that I keep handy for these moments <laughs> because you don't have a kid. <laughs> so I'm going to go over to my people that have kids and I'm going to see what their experiences have been like, you know. You, If you were to get advice, now mind you, again, unwarranted is different but if you were to get advice from somebody because you asked then that's different they asked yeah or if if you feel like there is something you need to say i say this as a non-parent because the same thing goes with like siblings and nieces and nephews yeah finding a way to say things Mm -hmm. so like for instance if i'm around your child and your child is fucking rude Mm -hmm. and misbehaved I don't agree with parents. Don't tell me how to parent my... I didn't tell you how to parent. I just told you your child is rude like, and misbehaves. Yeah. Now you're personal because you don't want... You want to see your child is perfect, right? Like, so there's no room for any type of critique. At that point, I'm not giving you advice. I'm giving... I'm seeing... I'm giving you what I see. Those... There's that fine line because I think that a lot of people could think of what... That what you're saying goes across the board. But it's like, if nobody can you about your child guess who's gonna be an unruly adult your child because nobody ever got to tell you how other people who do not love them who aren't the others see mm-hmm. them and they're gonna live more in a world of people who don't give a shit about them than the ones who do so there's a fine line right well i mean so yeah when it comes down to something like that look somebody has birthed a douchebag they come from somewhere i mean hello uh call letterman somebody birthed Somebody definitely birthed a douchebag there. They don't come out of nowhere. So to not be able to, like, you know when your kid's an asshole. Like, you say it to yourself at home. You're like, this kid's an asshole. Like, you know it already. You feel terrible as a parent, like, saying that. But you already know. And, I mean, immediately it's like, well, what can I do to remedy the situation? Has all the damage been done already? Can I even fix it? And I think, I think you can always correct it. Um, depending on how long you've waited, your methods are going to be different because if you, if you have an unruly toddler and a rude toddler, then you're still at the beginning stages. If you have a rude teenager, get ready for a fight because this is a person that thinks they're grown. But if you have a rude teenager, chances are you had a rude toddler Mm -hmm. and didn't want to listen to anybody Mm -hmm. because somebody said it to you. Somebody, even if the it was the preschool teacher, somebody said it to you and you decided that the world was an issue, not the actual issue, which isn't even your child. It's just they are a child and they're going to test things and you just never put it in check so that they can be, I hate to say this, but a functioning member of society. Because again, there's more people in the world who don't care about them than the ones who care about them. Mm-hmm. It reminds me too of like a situation where you'd have like, um, like a friend that has like a pet that doesn't know how to behave and God forbid you were to come in and be like, yo, what the hell's wrong with your crazy ass dog or cat or whatever? And they're like, oh, they're just like that. That's just their personality. I'm like, no, you haven't trained this little shit. You have not trained this little thing. And now it's tearing up everybody's stuff or it's tearing up your house or it's barking or it's meowing. I had a, uh, my brother 
had a cat a long time ago. My brother Tony. What up, Tony? I know you're listening. Um, I don't know if you remember this cat, Tony. Y'all had a rude ass cat that would hide in corners and just jump out at you and like just fuck your whole shit up. Just grab onto your leg. Okay, see, if it was, if it's grabbing onto you, that's an asshole cat. But yeah. if spooking you, that's a no, no, no. That's a great cat. <laughs> First of all, that's a great cat. If a cat is like, ah, gotcha, that's a great cat. Walks away. <laughs> Just like, ah. Did you see how she screamed? That was crazy. Yeah, ma, did you see that? She got scared. <laughs> she got scared. Ah, I got you. No, this cat would like legit like just grab onto your leg. I can't remember. I think it was like a black and white cat or something. Tony, I think you, you might remember this this cat. Um, but yeah, like an animal like that where you're just like, okay, so you just let this animal just fuck shit up. Like they just do whatever they want. And you allow it. And then you're shocked when other people are not cool with it. Yeah. I'm like, it's the same thing with a little with a little kid. And Lord knows I've seen it before those horror stories where you see like the parents that dealing with a tantrum from their kid. And it's like, that would never happen. If I if like in my childhood, I would never throw a tantrum. Like I've seen thrown from, from some of these kids. Like I lived in fear of punishment. Like whether that was a good parenting tactic or not, mm-hmm. my ass was well-behaved. <laughs> I, or at least in public. In public. Yes. In public definitely right. behind closed doors <laughs> there was i mean you was, try it but you could uh, but then you know the consequences yep there was a lot of ass whoopings yeah what yeah. i'm saying is there was a lot of ass whoopings we grew up in a different time i think i'm the tail end of the whooping generation right like i mean i'm sure it still exists to some degree right especially within um people who have older parents right now. But yeah, I think I'm the last of a generation that even openly jokes about whipping. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because now that would, you know, there's so much, there's so much that has changed now. Yes. And that brings to I our why are we like this? Yes. Can you can you tell us our why are we like this? Because you brought this up and I want to know what brought this up you always want to know the what um do you consider yourself this is our why are we why are we like this do you consider yourself woke and how woke is too woke now i was thinking along these lines basically because i forget the conversation i was having it may have been like last night i stopped over at the olive tree uh above the cellar and saw some of my comic buddies which was great and I think for a lot of us like getting back on stage and getting back to it or you know it's daunting it's scary because we haven't worked that muscle so it's kind of atrophied a bit um a lot of us feel that way though but you know even the ones that have been doing virtual shows rooftop shows you know it still feels that way and are we going to come back to a society of wildly woke individuals that are almost annoying to perform for and it just brought up the question of wokeness and like people strive for it people strive to be woke like it's a a badge of honor you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like they they want to be labeled woke they want especially a lot of white people they want to be labeled woke as possible oh yeah because woke is has a coolness I'm woke yes and I think there is such a thing as too woke Hmm. Interesting. 
where not everything is this big social issue. Like, calm it down for a second. Somebody didn't get your order wrong at Starbucks because there's a giant problem with the patriarchy. No, they got your order wrong, weirdo. Like, just relax. Because they got your order wrong, right. Yeah, they just got your order wrong. Be upset that they got your order wrong, but don't make it this big, woke argument. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I think that, like, I mean, for, for to answer what you're saying, like, do you consider yourself woke and how woke is too woke? Um, for me, uh, I'd like to think of, like, before woke was popular again, because woke actually... Um, just like look for for this discussion, looking into it, um, originated in about the 1940s, but became much more popular in the tens, and then within the last few years because of certain um, uh, uh, social injustices that have happened within the black community. And so it's something that comes out of the black community, particularly, right? Like stay woke was most what's was the phrase that was shortened down to woke. But prior to that, when you think about people with like um, Northern California, so people in like Oakland, and we're talking back in the day type of stuff, and even to this day to some degree, um, it's just consciousness. I would consider myself conscious, but that's different than wokeness. And to me, they're within the same family, but they're different because I think there's a capitalization of wokeness now, and there's a, 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 a popularity of wokeness that you're talking about that's just about getting a I'm down card, right? I'm down. I'm cool, I'm hip. And you just said a lot of white people. Well, as I said, wokeness predominantly came, well, no, not predominantly, came from the black community, especially within civil rights and racial issues. So white people almost wanna be like, I wanna be down so black people think that I'm down. That's how I take it when you say something like a lot of white people, right? When I agree that there's an excessiveness, but I actually blame like things like Instagram and things like Twitter because um, I have a friend who says, I'm gonna, he literally told me the other day, I'm gonna start calling woke, pe woke people, like not conscious people, woke people, um, sleep deprived. I don't agree with him on that wording, but then I thought about it, what do I prefer? And I go, actually the word is sleep paralysis. There's a certain type of woke person that is actually in a sleep paralysis. They think they're awake, but just like in sleep paralysis, you're not. You're not, you feel conscious, mm -hmm. but you're still in a sleeping state. And what I mean by that is a lot of these people get their information as tidbits through memes and posts and tweets, but they don't actually look for the social, like the, the, the actual like issues and the history, like, a lot of these people can't differentiate uh, um, extremist woke ideals, not that it came from extremism, um, or understand something as simple as critical race theory, which is a vertical of wokeness, but it's it's um, criticizing uh, uh, or like criticizing the conjunction between race and um, white supremacy and the law and the way that it affects certain people. Those are actual things that you should research that you should look into because once you start to understand them, you're not trying to like, a, a, what is it called uh, um, call, uh, wolf? You know, 
like a um, cry wolf. Yeah. You're not trying to cry wolf because you understand that. Yes, we do live in a society that is implicitly biased against black people. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. We do live in a patriarchal society. It's a fact. Even if somebody has internalized any of that, it doesn't mean every action they make is based off of one of those. That's mm-hmm. why the Starbucks thing, like, it's not because you're a woman. Although, sometimes, it may be, like, I'll, I'll tell you one that's um, rude. Mm-hmm. Not getting someone's name right. Yeah. But at a Starbucks, how many names you get a day? So, yeah, stuff happens. Here's when it's rude and here's when you're not wrong. If you're in a work environment, not a Starbucks, mm-hmm. your name. And the person goes, I'm never going to learn that. Let's find you another name. That's when it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Not the Starbucks worker <laughs> that wrote it wrong. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like you can't mix those up as if they're the same. Yeah. 100%. Is there a truck going by you? There is. That's why I wanted to mute That it. was so hilarious because I legitimately thought there was a truck going by me. And I was like, oh my God, it's so loud. I hate, I hate it. Like there's this, they, yes. I, they come to uh, pick up the trash and I have like one of these like steep entrance ways. So the person spends 15 minutes just backing in where yeah. I'm you need to be better at your job because I know people who could like and then they're in. Let me call my Theo real quick. He gonna take over driving to the truck. He got you. Five minutes. Five minutes. They would just be like and then we're done. That's it. He sounds like a net, uh, like a what is the Motorola? The Motorola. Yeah. That's it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you about like excessive wokeness. A lot of people just honestly are not educated. I hate to say. It. Yeah, it's just, it gets annoying. Like I'm down with wokeness or more of what you were talking about, consciousness, like being conscious of things, being aware of things. Because wokeness is a little bit of a played out kind of term in itself. And you're right, I do feel like social media made it that way. It made it very played out, very basic bitch almost to use, still be using that phrase. But consciousness, 100% down for consciousness being aware. But it it gets to a point with, with certain people when it comes to the, specifically the term woke because the most annoying two two woke people are the people that constantly say it mm. people that are constantly like yeah I'm, I'm super woke or that was pretty woke of me and i'm like i want to strangle you with a microphone cord with my tiny microphone cord i want to go and strangle you see it's funny because i actually feel like i say it in an ironic way mm-hmm. I'm saying I don't want to come off very woke. I'm actually not talking about consciousness. I'm talking about the annoying know-it-all version of what what it is. Now, this is not to make a commentary and say that every single person who uses the word woke for themselves may not be conscious. There is just a watered-down idea of wokeness that now exists, right? So, like, I do feel that people, and here's where the problem is and where I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, people almost will go to a comedy club now, which is annoying because it's like going to a comedy club, for instance, and holding this, I feel like I'm holier than thou and I'm going to critique everything. First off, homie, why are you going? Like, 
like, uh, and I'm not saying that comics should get away with everything. No, but it's like political satire. Some things need to exist so that we can have a reflect, I mean, a, a microscope on the world, right? Again, the intelligent way to make it exist is what the art of comedy is. So for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, recently, they, um, I don't know if you knew they were making Space Jam 2. Yeah, and so the only reason I found out was because they actively are taking out Pepe Le Pew because oh. of, right. Because Pepe's old, Pepe's a creep. He was like, he's OD creepy. He never took no for an answer. Remember the cat? The mm -hmm. cat was a skunk and he was, and the cat was always like, yo, get up off me. He was like, nah, you come here. He was like, yeah. yeah. So a lot of that was a conversation I, I I like came across earlier while watching The View. And The View. The View. And you know, they um those women are of a different generation, and a lot of them were like, Well, why do you have to completely cut the character out? Why can't you change the character? Now, this is twofold. On one end, you can't change the character because the whole point of cutting him out is to no longer reinforce Pepe Le Pew um, old cartoons. Yeah. It's so that people don't continue to create, um, replay, re like in programming the old episodes. Yeah. Right? Now, mind you, it's different if you were to make Pepe a different version and come up with new versions. But honestly, that was Pepe's character, creepy, yeah. a creepy do that was his whole thing everybody knew what pepe was uh why am i is it pepe? it's pepe and i'm like pepe 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 pepe, pepe. 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 Um, but using that if you have ever and i know you have gina watched early Chappelle, he has a pepe le Pew joke mm -hmm. about watching it with a family member and being like this man is a predator. He's a creep. Yes. He makes this whole joke. This is early, like early Chappelle um, specials. Mm -hmm. This is the point of comedy, right? Chappelle is a great writer. Mm -hmm. He's an amazing writer. I'm not saying everybody should be doing Chappelle style, but everybody should learn something from the Chappelles, from the Carlins, who understood how, and I'm not, you know me, I'm not trying to speak as if I know comedy yeah. the way, but I'm, I know enough to know that what makes them great comics is clearly they can make that social commentary. And if there's woke people not even letting you work that material out on a stage mm -hmm. get to that brilliant Pepe Le, jo um, Le, Le, Le Joke Pepe, Pepe Le, Le Joke you can't even get to the Pepe Le Joke <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where I see it that's where I get you because it's like comics are open to the reaction right like if it's not funny it's not funny but there's a difference between I took it personal and like I just I, 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 compared to, that's not funny because my son, not everybody's sense of humor is the comic yeah. sense of humor, but when it's, let's have a conversation about the socioeconomic and racial political thing. If the, if, if it's in the style again, using Chappelle, mm -hmm. where it's intelligent and it's still just shining a light, the conversation should still be had. 
but the attack should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I do agree with that 100%. I think people also need to learn to differentiate when something is just personally not funny versus a huge social issue. That people need to learn to differentiate that too. Did you personally not find it funny? Was it personally an issue for you? Or is this really a worldwide issue that you're talking about? Right. Like, you know what will never be funny? I don't care how you write it. Pedophilia. There's no way to make pedophilia funny because you're still alluding to children and sex, mm-hmm. right? Even if it, and I get it, I, on, on a humor level, I get sometimes some things are just like, damn, that just works so well. Like that just worked so well. But yes, we, I mean, I also just, you know, I'm watching um, uh, Pharaoh versus Alan or Alan versus Pharaoh, mm-hmm. which Mia Farrell, Woody Allen thing yeah. where they're discussing the case about um, her child, right? Mm-hmm. His adoptive child and his sexual abuse towards her. I, watching that and just in general, yeah, I can't play with any type of like pedophilia little kid jokes. I can't, I can't. And it's not a personal thing. I don't take that as in like, oh, I'm personally offended because I've had this happen to me or someone. It's just that's playing with a little too much fire mm-hmm. that could ignite a pedophile in the room. <laughs> like it could, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a fine line. Or maybe oh, it's a way to weed out the pervs in the crowd. Like whoever laughs, you're like, hey, hey. That's the guy, right? Hey. But I'm not, now that's not me saying you shouldn't talk about pedophilia. You shouldn't just joke on it as if it's normal as yeah. if it should be normal. But you can make a critique on the fact that it exists. Yeah. I mean, and there are, I mean, look, there's funny material about just about every subject. I've had comics say the most horrendous subject and still somehow make it funny. Yeah. Funny is funny regardless. But, the, and there are certain topics that even I as a comic, when I hear another comedian going into it, I'm like, yeah. what are you going to do with this? Because it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, this could go either way. Either these people are going to carry you out on their shoulders or they're going to want to crucify you immediately. So it's very interesting, you know, watching people like Andrew Schultz work and like Andrew's definitely one of those comics that throws stuff out there where you're like, oh my God, where is this going to go? Which I love watching because he's really good at the, um, he's really good at, I guess like a sneak attack of, of like a subject where it's yeah. like, he brings it up one way and you think it's going to go left and he totally goes right. And it's yeah. just like, no, this is not where I'm going with this at all, which he's really brilliant at. And when I see that, I'm very impressed. I'm saying, yeah. what I mean, now mind you, um, Andrew does what Pete Davidson does, which is they also, um, they brilliantly work off of whatever they, they're perceived as. Mm-hmm. So, is perceived as creepy. I don't care who you are. If you're a woman and you've never seen this man before, there's just a vibe to the way he lives, like in his, you know, his person. Yeah. That you're like, yo, he does seem a little slimy, like he was slide up next to you in a club. But then you hear him speak and you yeah. realize he uses that to his advantage because his his way of thinking, his way of writing, his way of spinning things, yeah. is, it shows you Oh, he's a smart man. I think Schultz looks like G Easy. He looks like a creepy G Easy. G Easy, like, look, if you had a club, no offense, Andrew Schultz, 
Um, I'm like, Andrew's a friend of mine. <laughs> like, but no, I'm just saying like, again, we're, uh, his rising, what he's, per- I, yes. I don't see him like this anymore because I've seen him perform and I've, yeah. I've, I'm a fan of his content. Um, but off top, just at a club, he has porn stash like persona. Oh, he does. He I does. mean, he the has, stash doesn't help. He has porn, and maybe it's the stash, but this is what I mean. Um, g Easy has something that's like mysterious and quiet where Schultz looks like he, he does, like he's looking at you from across the room and you might've caught him like once, but he don't even care. Cause now he likes that you caught him because it's opening the door to talk to you. The thing is, the stash probably makes me feel like he's a, you know, porn stash. Yeah, like if G Easy looks at you from across the room, you'd be like, "Oh, oh hey. hey!" But if Andrew Schultz does it, you're like, "He's gonna try to wear my skin." You'd be like, "Hey, I'm like, hey, hey, hey! Enough, avert your eyes. Right, but avert then, your eyes." But then in that same club, he gets up, goes on stage. You yeah. see his personality, his intelligence, and you go. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Why, hello, sir. Hello. I uh, I would like to rethink uh, the moment we had earlier. Exactly. Exactly. I and uh, Pete is not creepy, but Pete does the same thing with that. Like, uh, you almost feel like he's Lala and he's not there and he's not paying attention, but he's smart. He's just in his own world. Constantly yeah. Has his own situations going. You know what I mean? But they play off of that. That's part of their. And he's like one of the nicest human beings ever. But he doesn't look on, on a on a train. He yeah. would look like he's on something on a train. He I would like on a train. I don't if I'm in a, on a train with six dudes and I'm the only girl. Yeah, he's not the one who scares me. But I'm but if I but if if I felt threatened by someone else, he's also not the first one I'm looking at. Like yeah, I mean, looks like it's hard like, for me only because like I'm like, but Pete's so nice. But again. You know him. Yeah. And even if you watch his stuff, you see it. Yeah. At glance. At yeah, glance. at a glance. Yeah, at a glance. Yeah, you're kind of like, oh, he's... You know what at a glance Pete looks like? Like if he saw, like if he was on a train with some other thing, what he looks like, not who he is. What yeah. he looks like is like the guy who, if he saw something happening, he would just put on his hoodie and shades and he walk out <laughs> at the next stop. That's what he looks like. I'm not saying that's who he is. Girl, but, that's who I am too. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I would definitely fight somebody. I would seek justice. But that's what I think is also great and, and brilliant mm-hmm. and smart about them, that they use that to their advantage. Oh yeah, that's 100%. But that's why that's why the wokeness in going into comedy clubs is such an issue because it's like, this ain't a regular job. You're going to get every flavor. You're going to get every shape and size. They're good. Don't want to turn us into these cookie cutter comedians where like we only have a handful of subjects we're allowed to talk about and address and only in a certain way. You take away so much of the artistry of what we do Yeah. when you when you start to just stifle that creativity and be like, oh, you can't say that word and you can't say this and you can't say that. And you can't talk about that subject. And that's never funny. So you can't say that. And don't come across as too aggro because we don't feel safe then. That's like one of those things where it's just like, OK, well, what what do I fucking do? What do I do then? What do I do to appease all of you so I can keep my fucking job? I think, you know, what would be funny. You walk in with a piece of paper. So guys, this next set is going to have these following words. And 
it's going to touch on these topics. Are we all okay with that? I feel like that's what they want. And then they go, they, the, are the eyes in the room? And they all go, I, and then you could start your set. I feel like that's how bad, if, if it continues, it could get. Which yeah. takes away from the whole lure of comedy. It takes away from the experience. It does. Absolutely. It takes away from the experience for everybody. I don't, I think that's what they don't get. See, but that, what I just said, that paper thing is the kind of shit Schultz would do. Yes. And then he would throw, he would crumple it up and probably throw it at somebody in the audience. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, make, I don't need your permission to say any of this shit. Right. To make the bigger statement of like, screw you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, let's move into our TikTok of the day. We gotta make up like theme music. I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna make up a song. TikTok of the day. Gather it. Take it away. Uh oh, that right. Yes, anyway. <laughs> so this one is actually um another feature from TikTok. It's a duet. Somebody, um uh Abby Energy 22, that's her name. And um she made a state, she made she did a duet with a statement made by British politician and former member of parliament, Tony Bett. It says, is what he says. Mm -hmm. There are two ways in which people are controlled. First, first of all, frighten people and secondly, demoralize. An educated, healthy and confident nation is harder to govern. And I think it's an element of thinking for some people. We don't want people to be educated, healthy and confident because they will get out of control. The top 1% of the world's population own 80% of the world's wealth. It's incredible that people put up with it, but they're poor and they're, and they're poor and, de and demoralized and they're frightened. So they think the safest thing to do is to take orders and hope for the best. What are our thoughts? I mean, I feel like this is the mentality that every Latin kid grows up with. That whole listen to the authority figures, don't ask any questions, just do what you're told. I mean, you talk about keeping people in like fear and keeping them demoralized in a sense. It happens to, uh, I think, a lot of children, but because of definitely how I think um, old school, a lot of Latino parents can be where it's like, you know, respect is what you want, but you seek it through fear, which is the weirdest thing to do. It's like, I want you to respect me. So I'm going to beat it into you. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Catholicism, Catholicism, a hundred percent. And just, it's the weirdest when you think about it as an adult, you go, Oh my God. Like, I just remember like even my mom, well, I love my parents, but like my mom had a look that she would just like shoot at me. And I would be like, Oh, okay, so we're not doing that no more. I'm not trying to get my butt whooped. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I would be in fear. And I think on a global scale, on a political scale, I think that is what happens. I think what also happens is we get distracted by sensationalized stories so that we can, we can be distracted from the actual problems. You know, they misdirect us all the time. And so many of us fall for it because it's like the, the latest gossip or the, or the biggest non-issue issue that they're making instead of really concentrating on what the problems are that need to be solved. So, I mean, I think the statement is very accurate about a lot of societies, not just parliament, like a lot of governments, a lot of societies in general uh, do have that. It reminds me also of like a Bronx tale. Is it better to be feared or loved? You know what I mean? Like which one, either way you can manipulate a person if you're feared or you're loved. You can manipulate them either way, whether you're, you know, whether they're frightened and demoralized 
or not, like you're controlling this group of people. Yeah. And so, and when you control that group of people, it's, it's the only a handful of people that will go, Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me goes back to performers and comics being the people that are usually the ones to point that out and be like, Hey, isn't this, why are you guys mad about this? Do you guys realize that this is the bigger issue, right. but, but you're mad about this. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. It's the diversion. Mm-hmm. Everything is diversion. But like to your point about like the, the rearing of human beings and children in particular, um, even when you think about um, how we're taught respect, because we are taught sometimes respect with fear mm-hmm. or with authority. Right. So like when you think of those like alternative schools and the, in, in alternative schools, children don't call like Miss Williams. They say that they call them by their first name because it's mm-hmm. to teach this idea that when they hit the real world, you don't call people Miss and Mr. Kind of. Yeah. Thing. So I do think that we're taught that from the beginning, we're always taught because when you're little, right, you look to your parents like, well, what do we do? You look to your teachers like, well, what mm-hmm. do we do? Well, that's where the to some degree, the control happens. That's to some degree where the fright, where the frightened mentality happens, starts. Mm-hmm. And that's to some degree where the demoralized idea that can be put into us begins. Now, this is not me saying down with teaching kids to respect people in schools. No, but there has to be another way to teach respect yeah. without it having to be through fear, right? And so these kind of cycles are are purposeful that's what i think this man is saying you know as a person who was a member of parliament which if for whatever reason you don't know what that is it's a form of government in the uk right just to, to make it clear yeah because it's like uh i think there's something even more to be said about that a politician is the one making this statement mm-hmm. there's a lot because they know things we don't know yeah right? And not only about their nation, all nations, because he's a politician. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that what saddens me, though, is the fact that as, as people, we can be very sheepish and, you know, lazy in wanting to have something to follow, you know, just get by the day. It's just this, it's that mentality. And I get it. I relate to it except there's such a fine line and it can get so dangerous because I love his statement of um, it's incredible that people put up with it. The whole 1% versus 80%. It's incredible. And I don't think he means people, there needs to be an uprising, but he is talking about the power in numbers. He is talking about the fact that we don't really voice our full power. We don't really assert that full power. Um, because like, like for instance, being in, a, in, in elementary school, in high school, in junior high school, whatever, if you were in a classroom with other kids and your teacher did something messed up, one person might speak up about it and then get sent to the principal's office. But if they go to lunch and go to the rest of the class and they're like, yo, we should all speak up about this because this is wrong. The power in numbers is the problem. It's having to convince the 20 something other kids in that class because there's the ones who go, honestly, like my mom would be mad or honestly, I just want to pass this class. 
Yeah. Or like, I don't want to be suspended. I'm not trying to get in trouble. Like they're, they're thinking along those lines. And that's the world we live in outside of school, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't know why people think that that's what, for me, myself, I always go, when you are having a situation with somebody good or bad, question to yourself, what type of react, like relationship would you have with this person? Had you been in school together? Had you been in elementary school together? Had you been in junior high school together? Is this the kind of person who would have been your friend? Why and why not? Mm. Right? Is this the kind of person who would have been like somebody that you did? Y'all weren't friends, but when y'all got put together for school projects, it was cake. Why and why not? When you start thinking at the fundamentals of who we are as human beings and something as simple as that, Oh, you know how to work with, like, you know how to read these people and work with these people and really understand these people in adult life because literally the only shackles we've lost is school. Yeah. Everything else stays the same. And mm -hmm. that's why the 1% exists. That's why there's way more sheepishness and um, demoralization mm -hmm. of people because is it safe to say that we start demoralizing from childhood oh yeah 100% safe to say and very accurate it's an older style of parenting where it's like you rule with an iron fist and it's just like okay but was that really the best method or was it the only method you felt like you had like you said there have to be other ways to teach respect yeah you shouldn't have to have your children living in fear so mm -hmm. that they respect you right. who knows what that balance will be with me and my son who knows? I have no idea what that balance will be, where we will find it, but it's my hope that we do find that balance and that we get to a point where even when he's a teenager and you know how teenagers can be with their parents, you know, that he's willing to talk to me about things and that we have that kind of relationship. This is my opinion, not really like a fact. Yeah. I have a feeling that if you allowed your, your, your child to have more, not you, just in general. If you allow a child to have more, to ask more questions yeah. and question things more, not, and I don't mean like question you, like, no, mommy, I don't want to eat this. Just in general, yeah. just be defiant. There's a difference, not even defiant, because that's not the right word, but a, a child should be allowed to ask why for certain things. Yeah, a child, not an annoying ass grown up. I just no. want to make that very clear. A child. Well, here's the thing. When a child is allowed to do that, then as, an, as a grown-up, they understand, they, they begin to learn and understand where the proper question should be. Because exactly. that's the other issue. We don't teach children to question everything. Or the no. proper way to question everything. Exactly. But then when they get to adulthood, they either question nothing or question everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. But... You start them from childhood. I believe that it's possible for a teenager to be more like open to communicating with the parent. If the parent from early on is like, well, why do we have to leave mommy like to the park or, you know, yeah. and some parents either lie to their children or because I said so. Yeah, that's wrong. You're no, not explain to them. Okay. It's because it's, it's getting late. We have to go back. It's going to get dark soon. It's almost time for your bed. We can't stay out that late, so let's go. Right, and I don't think we live in a, in, 
there's a there's no fine line. There's either the extreme, what I believe I grew up with and what you just described, or there's the super new age who are like, Billy doesn't like that. You know, and it's like, well, Billy has, like, Billy doesn't like to stand still for more than 15 minutes. Well, Billy needs to go to school. He needs to, you know what I mean? Or, and I'm talking Get about- Billy, a hobby. Yeah. I'm talking about if Billy doesn't have like a mental issue or, yeah, or, yeah. or any type of disorder, if he doesn't have something like that, no, Billy is a douche. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you need to handle your a douche before yeah. everybody else handles your a douche. Uh, let's get into our dear Gina here. This is this is a really interesting one. Um, um, I dig this, dear Gina. Uh, dear Gina, can you share a moment when you realized that a certain lifestyle, mentality, or behavior just wasn't working for you anymore? Something that you wish you knew sooner or something you think could help others? I mean, yes, so many things. Um, the most obvious being my former relationship. And having that realization that like, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live with a person that is tearing me down. I can't live with, you know, the drama, the problems, the fights, the everything. I can't, I didn't, can't deal with it. Don't want to deal with it. You know, when the good outweighs the bad in any given situation, I think you have that moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore. This lifestyle no longer fits me. Uh, And quite often, I think it has to do with toxicity or trauma where you have, sort of bottomed out in a situation where it's like, I probably should have stopped this years ago, but I'm here now. And this is the moment where I'm choosing to pull myself out of it or walk away. You know, people do that with different addictions. People do that with toxic relationships. People do that with their individual traumas where they finally admit to themselves, yes, I should have taken care of this years ago. You know, realistically speaking, I should have probably ended that relationship two years in or never gotten into it in the first place. But also speak, realistically speaking, had I not been through that, I never would have went through the steps that would have led me to my husband, to my wonderful son, who knows where I would have ended up. So it's, there are things that I wish I would have known sooner, but I don't know that I would go back and change them just because I wish I would have known them sooner. They're more like, you know, yes, sure. I wish I would have handled that, but look at where I am now versus where I was back then. And I'd rather be proud of my progress than be full of regret of not doing things or not taking care of things sooner. There's so many things, so many things that I wish I would have learned, would have studied, would have um, you know, experienced in my life way sooner than the age I'm at now. I wish I had more financial responsibilities as a younger person because I would have learned more about my finances. I would have been a G at financing had somebody pulled me aside and been like, hey, these are the things you need to know to survive in life. Like I would have loved to know all of that sooner. So, I mean, in and in terms of it helping others, the only way you can help others is, in my opinion, is through your wisdom of experience. So if Catherine were to bring up a situation that I know I've been in before, I have my wisdom of experience to offer to her. And I can be like, hey, this is what happened when I went through that situation. So hopefully that helps, you know, sharing the stories and and maybe your triumphs with somebody else who may be going through the same thing to kind of pull them out of their funk or out of the muck and, and let them know. Like a lot of times I think people are going through things 
when they're in this state of like needing a lifestyle change, uh, they're going through a tough moment. They're suffering. And so that's normally when, that's when you know change is going to come. Like they always say that too. Like whenever there's great suffering, it is because there's changes that are coming your way. You're preparing. Like if you lose a job and you're terribly upset about losing a job, they say that this is just something that a lot of people believe where you want to call them spiritualistas or whatever. Like people believe this, that when you lose something, it's because something greater is about to come into your life. Yeah. And if you have that mentality, I think it makes those moments easier to deal with, to be like, okay, something good is coming my way. Something big is coming my way. You know, I've lost all of this because maybe I was supposed to lose all of this and be away from this situation. And now that that's gone, I have to leave space for the new thing, which is where not dwelling on the past and not dwelling on losing out on things comes from. Because you need to make that space, make the space for someone new, for something new, a new job, a new environment, a new relationship, anything that comes up that's new, you have to make that space. But in order to make that space, you have to pull yourself out of whatever given situation, you know, by your instincts, you no longer belong in. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my take on it. (laughs) You didn't really ask me advice, but like, yeah, yeah, I've had plenty of moments. Yeah. No, I think that like um, a moment that I realized that a lifestyle mentality or behavior just wasn't working for me anymore, I think would be, um, this is early on. This is more, I mean, I guess you could say it's career-based, but it can be applied to um, relationships of any kind or just information of any kind. Um, I mean, one of the, I guess, mentalities and behaviors that I had that I think that I've changed is um, I'm not necessarily an oversharer, but I, I never like, I never thought too much into uh, the evil eye, mal de ojo. I never thought too much into it. Um, gro- like growing up, even though I grew up with a mom who all, you know, mal de ojo, I grew up in a culture, mal de ojo. I, I, I just personally, I guess this is like a, a, I almost felt like not untouchable, but like, why somebody want to bite off me? Like, not even like in an insecure way, just like a, dude, don't you got your own stuff? Cause I know I'm not like that. And so I have, I, I had to learn the, a lot of like, um, you know, not everybody's like you, that whole thing. Um, so one of the reasons, I mean, one of the instances where that was a situation um, was in a work environment. It was one of my early, like early, early career um, environments. I was working at a post-production house and I was a um, a front desk, front desk runner, which front desk, everybody knows what that is, a runner, somebody who, this is a, produ- a production house. If they needed any type of props, if they needed anything, this person would run to get it. Your job was called a runner. So I shared the role um, technically with this other girl, I was the runner. She was the client services, the front desk, but sometimes I would do client services, right? She was there like three months prior to me. Um, so not that much time. I also had graduated a year before her, 
but she probably, I think, I believe she went to a more accredited school than I did. But either way, the way that they promoted people was like who was here first. It wasn't necessarily who's been doing the best because we read such entry level stuff, right? And I understood that. I made the hugest mistake, mal de ojo. Um, the hugest mistake I made was, first off, uh, talking to her like we were cool. We were work cool, but we weren't cool. And it's, again, this is nothing to do with gullible. This just had to do with like, I just never looked too much into it. Um, and I told her when we started getting told, well, if you want, when we're moving, when you move up, what would you want to get into? Now, this is a production house that did flame, VFX, editing, like all scope of post-production. That's what their bread and butter was. But they had just opened up a production studio division that was brand new and all of that. Now, mind you, I've always wanted to be on production, not post-production. So to any degree, and I was so early in my career that I was like, I don't care if I get like whatever the most entry level in the production studio is, that's what I want. So we're sitting once and when they bring it up, I go, we're just casually talking. And I said, well, I believe that when my time comes, I'm going to ask to do the most entry level under the producer that was working in production um, so that I can learn from her, so I can learn from the DP, because I don't know if I want to be a DP yet, a camera person, you know, DPs, cinematographers, or people with cameras. I didn't know if I wanted to be that. I didn't know if I wanted to be a producer. I didn't know if I wanted to be a director, but I wanted to be in production, not post-production. She said, I think I want to work in the flame, which is more, think of graphics. I think I want to work in flame. Cool. Esperate. This girl, like I said, was there for three months before me. So when the time to move up came, she had a three month, they asked her three months before me. So I remember when she had her meeting, um, she comes back from that meeting and I go, how did it go? She was like, it's great. I told them the things that I wanted. I was like, amazing. About um, two months later, right before I get my conversation, they promote me to full-time client services until my conversation was going to come up for, for the next move. But they promote her for entry level in production. And now there's nowhere for me to go because all they need is one in the small new division of production. She had no interest in production. She did not want production. But let me tell you something. My dreams, my goals, my wants really painted a beautiful picture for her. And that's when I learned, keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. You got a thought, you got a dream, you got all of that. Hey, listen, keep your mouth shut if they ain't your homie. But even if they are your homie, the way Maldeojo works is in Matt's situation, she was kind of Maldeojoing me, but she was just like biting off of me. Mm -hmm. It not work in my favor. But even with your own friends and family, don't talk until it happens sometimes. Because even people with really good intentions, the ones who really want to help you, like, could sometimes be thinking so much with anxiety towards, I hope she gets it, I hope she gets it, I hope she gets it. The universe is listening to all the energy. It's hearing mm -hmm. everybody. You should be the only one it hears other than the person who could give you the job, who could give you the opportunity yeah. to make money. And that's when you tell others. That was a lesson I learned. That was a behavior I had to change and a mentality. Mm -hmm. People don't want what I, you know, I see the sweater in, in Marshall's. I go, oh my God, there was this awesome sweater in Marshalls. I'm going to go back and get it. I might have traffic. Homegirl goes and gets it because I mm -hmm. made it sound like 
the most popping sweater. That was something I learned. So my biggest help for others is when you have something going on, get a journal, write it down. <laughs> share because energy is real, whether it's mm-hmm. malicious or whether it's trying to be beneficial to you. But here's the thing. Once that switches and it's no longer beneficial to you, you're going to have to switch. Here's, you're going to have to switch solely because you opened your mouth. That yeah. sucks. So that's mine. That's a good one. That is a good one. Well, I hope we helped. Cat, uh, tell the lovely people where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, TikTok. It is at Catherine G. Mendoza. On Instagram, it's at Catherine G. Mendoza. And on Twitter, it's at Kathy Grace Tuple. And Kathy, K A T H I E. Fantastic. You guys know you can find me at Gbrion on Instagram, at Gbrion80 on the TikTok. And uh, everything else you can check, GinaBrion.com or .net. All in uh, for that. I have some dates coming up in Colorado Springs. So if you're out in Colorado or you have Colorado peeps, please let them know. I'll be at 3H's Comedy Club from March 25th to the 27th. Uh, head over to 3H Comedy Club on Instagram and you can get the ticket link from there. Uh, check out The Floor is Lava on Amazon or head over to HBO and check out some of my projects on there. There's stuff coming up again soon. So stick with us. Keep listening and keep up with us because we got some we got some things going on. All right. Uh, that was a new jingle. Just made it up. TikTok. Also, yes, yes, yeah. definitely check out the TikTok. There's so many things coming up on the Tikiti Talk that I'm going to have so much fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, you know I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. So here it goes. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. Until next time, people. Deuces! Yeah, do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, I call him a nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.